listen, I just wanted to take a few minutes, uh, first of all, to thank everyone for being here. But most of all, thank you, Vicky. Okay. I need everybody to hear me and how gracious and, and grateful I am uh, for Vicky and her help getting these up and out for you guys. We do this together as a team. We co-host. I love her. Usually I'm you know, come on, Vicky. <laughs> um, but I love, I love having you here, and I am so grateful for all that you do. So thank you, thank you, uh, Vicky. And uh, I mean it. <laughs> You've seen this week what I've been through. <laughs> it's the, now my blockage is clear. Yeah, this this woman's gone to hell and back the past few weeks. So still here, and she's always supportive, and she's such a dear friend. So I just have to open this saying thank you, Vicky, um, because I. Sometimes it's hard for me to keep my confidence and to keep going, right? And then you get overwhelmed by all the 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 noise of what's going on. It's just, you know, you're like, oh, forget it. I don't want to talk about any of it, you know, and go hide under the pillow for a while. Or in my case, I'm in the garden 24-7 now um, because I'm, I feel like all I'm doing is processing, you know, reading, you know, kind of feeling energetically what's happening and listening, um, you know, this is what happened when I, you know, after 2019 and then into 20, um, I went into this like silent, a few months I didn't tweet or anything just cause I had to be silent for, you know, and to kind of figure out what's my next move here. And then I came out with that lockdowns are not about a virus. And I've kind of feel, even though we're doing this and we're still having these conversations, this, this moment of stillness. Um, you know, just creating, you know, trying to kind of keep every day as it comes, embracing these new changes, this kind of chaotic world. Not that doesn't mean, you know, uh, embracing it, like putting up with it and being okay with it, but just not letting everything mow you over. Right. And so this is why when I saw this ledger thing and I know, you know, some people don't care and that's fine. Um, but this was something that I felt very personal about because, you know, here we are, Vicky, talking on this channel for the last few years about XRP and, you know, the incoming uh, new financial system. And we're still piecing it together because it's happening in slow motion, yet super fast. You know, like it's it's this weird thing that's happening right now, <laughs> um, you know, and, and we're living through one of the biggest transitions, I think, of our lives. And you know, for many of us, leaving the people that we know in our immediate lives, um, you know, maybe like I've, I've talked about it before. I don't, you know, I'm not off with everybody in my past, but a lot of people I've just, you know, just don't have anything to say to right now. But yet with you guys, I feel like <laughs> I have to connect. I have to talk to you, you know, like, don't freak out. We'll, we'll get through this. Um you know, security breaches, threats, concerns, all of this. And we just have to take it day by day and try to unpack these issues. This is one issue I feel very confident about because of my amazing husband. I mean, this is what he does all day long, you guys. Uh, this is his space. And, you know, if there's not a way in, trust me, he is the one that will find a way in. And it's very inspiring to see this kind of skill over the past years. I mean, I've, I've done TED, TED Talks, TEDx talks about, you know, security skills, cybersecurity skills and the importance of, um, but I, I mean, I don't always say this and I want to say this now, there's no one I am more blown away with than my husband when it comes to this particular field. 
and so when we come out sit talking about certain things, I don't want anybody to assume they're, we're there to panic or to cause chaos or fear, because that's not what we're about. It's really just understanding the many different attack you know, vectors and layers uh, to security, encryption. Remember, this is a new space, and we're still you know, watching this unfold in real time. Um, even if we know what we hold, you know, and we're going to hold it till the end, it doesn't mean the emotional roller coaster, you know, isn't weighing in here. Am I right? <laughs> um, and especially since there's a lot of people that have entered this space in what was it, top of 2022? And, you know, it's not exactly been <laughs> a fruitful time. I mean, you know, crypto has been rather boring and chaotic and dismal and, you know, dramatic. And uh, a lot of people new to this space just don't have, you know, don't really have the patience or want to deal with this kind of crap. You know, just like when we put our money in the bank, we want to know it's secure. We don't want to question where, you know, who has a back door, or who can, you know, potentially shut us down. Now we merely, we talk about that within the central banking system because, you know, like, like let's face in the last few years, I too have realized what, what has been, you know, legally allowed, you know, um, and, and has gone on since for most of our lives, if not in, in our adult lives. Um, and so this is why it's important to kind of, you know, speak out. I mean, I, we can't completely re leave the banking system at the same time. You know, there's thing, bills and things we have to do uh, within the system at the same time, you know, it's best to know where your money is is best protected and so on this channel as if this is the first time you're tuning in but you'll hear me talk and advocate for precious metals um you know as fiercely as i do digital assets and specifically xrp um and that's why today it was very important to just address <clears throat> the ledger issue now before i turn it over uh, to Matthew, I wanted to let you guys know um the reason i'm so grateful for vicky is because producing this you know, podcast and keeping up with content and, you know, making sure we have everybody on the schedule every week. You know, sometimes I like having these calls where it's just us and we can talk because um, I like hearing from you guys and opening the floor to questions. Um, but I am trying to, you know, get, you know, the people that we want to hear from. And so I'm going to give you a few names of people that I'm talking to, but feel free to leave a comment in the thread or let me know later if there's somebody that you want to hear from uh, that I haven't named, but just a few like Matt Letizier and, you know, I know he's not a, uh, yeah, Matt Letizier and then Dr. Seem Mahotra. Um, while he may not be everybody's cup of tea, I've been talking to him for years. So I'd like to do a, a conversation with him and, you know, ask him like we do everybody else, you know, what's, you know, what's your real, you know, MO here? What's driving you? And I, you know, I, I really appreciate his, his text messages to me. I mean, to be so brazen to say, he says, he says to me, let's nail these fuckers. I mean, I love his go get him attitude. So I, I think, I, I mean, that's why I want to speak to him. And uh, I want to speak to other people like that. That's why Matt Letizier is also top of my list. Um, I've reached out to a few people on the electrocultural stuff. There's a link that people have sent me around the Malachian Luciferian stuff. I'm just interested to understand more of it. Like as, if you had heard me talk to James, and the biblical and the bloodlines and, you know, kind of piecing this all together. Um, you know, it's, I've just been kind of given a few names, so we might have a conversation about that. Um, Jasmine Bertles, I like, you know, her voice is also speaking out. 
and Melissa, uh, the lovely and beautiful um, Melissa from Ireland, I believe. Uh, so I'm just kind of reaching out and putting some feelers out. I like speaking to people that have a voice of conviction, you know, the ones that just really go for it and really, you know, take no prisoners, just really want to keep speaking out. Um, and that's not to necessarily create an echo chamber, but to really strengthen and remind all of us. Because remember, I, I keep saying that we need tipping point, but that doesn't necessarily mean a majority. I mean, yes, majority helps move things faster, but it's really to keep that resilience up, that pushing, that knocking on the door, as Ole Damagar once said, just that consistency. Um, because if you've been in the trenches with me the last few years, you know how hard it is to stay positive and to keep moving forward. I mean, Vicki, I mean, you know, this. some days you just feel like this, the weight of everything is just too much. So it's, it's just keeping up that, um, you know, persistence and consistency, perseverance, resiliency. Um, and that's why I like bringing people on that can kind of help lift that spirit and inspire all of us. What do you think, Vicki? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've, we've spoke over the last couple of months about keeping motivated, um, not sounding like a broken record, rehashing things. And as with the stillness we've had, um, it, it's been an odd time of, well, what do we talk about? Because there doesn't seem to be a lot going on, but there is a lot going on. Um, but again, without being, re you know, repetitive and um, the physical wellness, I think, you know, I, I obviously hit a peak with my ear um, and, you know, just my uh, body as a whole, I think, just hitting walls. And, and you know, we discussed it's not, it wasn't just me. You've had family members like it. I've had lots of people around that are like it. And whether we just needed to go through a bit of a purge um, individually to then like now it's, you know, it's getting re-energized again. We're getting back on track. Um, and and feeling like there's some more focus coming back into to where we're going, what we're doing, um, and picking our resilience back up again a bit. Yeah, I get the question a lot, like, when in your gut do you feel like this is all going to collapse? I mean, I've, I can ask my husband when he gets on, like, I've, I mean, I've been feeling this for the last three years and like any weekend, you know, any time. Um, but really now that since it's, we've come so far into this coming into the new election, I think it's going to happen, you know, uh, either before, <laughs> before or after the election. I mean, it's it, like, it's got to happen under Joe Biden's watch. I mean, it just under this kind of demonic era that we're onto, you know, I, I not, I don't really have a lot of hope for the 2024 elections. I've kind of checked out recently. We had a mayoral um, election here the first time I voted and then it was like a, a runoff they had to run the vote again there's only like 28,000 people in the town and only 4,000 people showed up to vote I mean talk about trust and confidence being gone and this is a real patriotic conservative community you can imagine what it's like else elsewhere so I, I guess look we're going to keep bringing people on that you want to hear from. I want to empower you with our words. I want to uplift you. Today was about just approaching any concerns to allow you to have questions, not just because Jennifer says so, um, but because this is one perspective I can really give and, and be technical on, because um, that's not my strength, um, but my husband's strength is that. Uh, Matthew, are you there? 
Um, just really quickly, uh, there was another, there was a few questions I've had from a few of you around taxes, moving metals, storing metals, and then what to do when you come into a windfall of let's say six figures, either you're selling your house, do you rent and hold in metals? And of course, I love these questions. I'm really grateful for everyone that asks me. Um, and I, of course, I always give you my opinion as a friend, but we're going to talk to Nick. I'm going to bring him back from pure gold just because this guy lives and breathes gold, guys. <laughs> and I like him. I like what he says. He doesn't put the audience to sleep. And it's an easy way to get, you know, you know, to offer a place to, to, to get these medals within the UK since most of you are coming from the UK. Um, I, I can reach back to a few of the other metal people uh, to see who else might be interested to come on. But I'm bringing them on because there is a lot of questions still about, around these metals and, you know, storing and all this. And I just don't want to misspeak. I mean, I don't know all the tax details intricately or you know, the difference between holding silver with a business and all that. Um, and because this is such a topical issue and that's something that I, I love the feedback from you guys, we're going to do another one maybe next Tuesday. Uh, or this coming Tuesday, but just to let you know, for those of you, because there's a few of you on this call right now that have messaged me about that, we're gonna we're gonna answer those, you know, outside of my messages. Um, and then I guess as a way to segue into this, uh, Matthew, if you're here, another thing that everybody asks me about is you know code credit and this need for a people's bank. And I I'm telling you, it, it's you know never was it more obvious to me that there needs to be a a place that is secure and trusted, you know, for the people. And we get that there's going to be institutional bank vault products and institutional, you know, or accredited investors, you know, get to hold their digital assets, but there's very little for the people right now. And I, I really do believe that in this new financial system, the new banking system where we can be our own banks, there is strength in numbers and coming together and in, in building something that we can all take part of. Um, and so that's the vision that, you know, Vicki and Matthew and I kind of have uh, with this Cove credit and where we are working on it. Matthew, are you there? Do you want to maybe reiterate what you said in the digital asset channel for people that weren't there? Um, thank, thank, thanks, Jennifer, for, for the introduction. Uh, yeah, I, I, as we were saying in the, in the channel, um, you know, Cove, uh, Cove credit is, uh, is essentially, um, you know, a, a decentralized autonomous organization that's designed fully in an open source manner. So we publish everything on GitHub. Um, but, you know, we're using technology that's not even in production yet. It's not finalized. It's not widely available. Um, but the idea is, unlike a traditional bank, when you when you bank with a bank, you pay some deposits and they do things with your cash. They, you know, they invest it or they um, use it for trading and things like that. The, the bank typically typically uses your money to take these risks and then doesn't pass that back on to you. So. Um, what we've designed and what we're looking to um, kind of raise more money on around the, the Cove Crypto is a uh, credit union that when a customer makes a deposit to us, which would be like a custodial um, holding of tokens that we would make available for use in a trading pair, we would actually um, share that profit back with our customers. Um, so essentially a bank owned by the people for the people um, using very, uh, you know, bleeding edge technology stacks, 
Um, you know, and as we said, there was an update in the Digital Assets channel that you know we publish everything on GitHub. It's a you know we're a fully open source. You can audit what we're doing. Um, but also we uh, you know we we we're building things that are not not ready on the mainnet yet. So there's going to be um, you know a, a period of time between when we're able to make this available for for regular retail uh, individuals for people who actually want to open an account um, with our service. Um, and, you know, you would have the option as well of self-custody. You'd be able to use whatever services we make available. Um, a big one has been around invoicing, you know, the ability to settle an invoice or to settle bills. Um, I mean, there's a lot of fascinating stuff going on around the, um, you know, the XRPL in general. I mean, it's a, as a payment solution, um, you know, it provides a, a solid fintech um, layer for building kind of next generation financial software. And that's basically what we're doing. I mean, we raised some money. Um, to build uh, tools that would allow us to build this Cove credit, um, which is actually Cove.crypto these days. I mean, it's uh, the Cove credit, the name may stay that way, but it's likely that it will become Cove.crypto, um, which is what the, the, the domain name that we have. So eventually there'll be a website there that'll allow you to go and check your balance. And um, if you want to make a deposit into a, a custodial situation where you'll get a fixed APR, um, that is essentially the service that we provide. And the way that we do that is in a, a low risk transaction for our consumers. We would essentially use liquidity from um, people in the credit union to facilitate banks that want to make payments, but, you know, trade between two pairs of currency. Let's say you're the Bank of England, you want to trade between pounds and a dollar um, and you want to do that in a block in, uh, on the blockchain. We would make XRP liquidity available um, through a pool that allows banks to essentially move two forms of currency as a bridge token. Um, that's originally what the XRP uh, token was designed for. Um, and that's essentially what we've built as a roadmap. We have um, various design documentations, various, um, you know, architectural drawings and things. Um, you know, one of the, the, the key things for us is that it will just cost quite a bit of money when we, when we turn on a bank like that. Um, there's an initial outlay in terms of hardware. And then secondly, there's an outlay in terms of um, regular costs and then also um, regular staff in terms of needing people to uh, man the helm, so to speak. So um, because of those costs, we're essentially in, the, in, in a kind of fundraising mode uh, where we're looking for opportunities of where we can raise money and raise capital to build that out. Um, but, you know, we, as I say, we, we are still active on there and we're still proceeding ahead. Um, but there'll be some time between that being able to launch because these um, we're actually using technologies that have not yet gone into the main net. So, you know, a lot of this stuff is still experimental. It's still being worked on. Ripple themselves have not finished writing some of these features that we intend to use. But the overall design and the model is that we as a credit union, you would be an individual customer, you, and you, if you participate in, um, you know, placing uh, funds available with us for liquidity purposes, we would actually pass back on some of the profits that the credit union makes, um, and that would be optional for people to be involved in. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 where we are with that. Does that how does that sound, Jen? Have you got more to add there? I mean, do you want to tell people what you're doing with Rip? I mean, we've been we've been doing bug bounties with Ripple. I mean, I have been doing bug bounties with Ripple. Um, you know, in terms of uh, helping address uh, you know vulnerabilities that they have um, to uh, essentially help them fix and make their security uh, stronger. We've had you know several high risk uh, issues that we've been you know financially remunerated for. Um, you know, and all that's kind of being done under uh, you know our, our Hacker House cybersecurity brand, but. Um, 
Uh, since that's what we do in cybersecurity, that's what I do a lot of. Um, you know, I, I know that Jen invited me on the call today because I know a lot of people are feeling quite apprehensive about the ledger debacle um, and what's going on there with wallets. I know many of you probably have a ledger or you're using them for your funds. So I want to reiterate this very clear now at the beginning of the call, since this is this is mainly why I was here. Um, not no one needs to panic right now. Okay, there, there isn't there isn't a need for anyone to panic about your ledger. Your, your funds are no more at risk than they were um, yesterday. The only thing that's changed is that the perception of that risk is now different. Um, so the ledger uh, devices have inside of them something that's called a secure enclave. Now, a secure enclave or it is a as a, 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 a chip that works a little bit like a bank vault or um, a black box almost. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, somewhere where very, se very secretive parts of your, um, of a computer, you know, keys, passwords, things like that would sit like an inside of a vault. But the difference between this and a vault is a vault you would open up and be able to go inside and take things out. A secure enclave is more a little bit like a black box. Those passwords are in, and keys usually are inside of it um, but there's usually no way for you to open the vault door and have a look inside. Um, and that's a security design. It's, it's meant so that if, if malware or a virus gets on your computer, it can't read the inside of those keys. It's not supposed to be able to get access to them. Um, and essentially, Ledger in the past have always made the statement that your private keys will never leave this chip. It's not possible to recover this uh, information from that chip. And then they announced a new function, which is a uh, recovery function for backing up. And the, and the key thing that's used in a secure element is protection of your seed um, that, that's used for recovery. Now, Ledger announced a new um, service that they call Ledger Recover, where they will take a, uh, you know, some sharding of your seed, some information from the secure enclave, um, send it to three different parties, and then allow you to recover your, your device. Um, and, and the worrying thing about that is that it really changes what was perceived to be what the secure element could do. And, and these new changes, um, you know, bring with, it new, with, bring with it a potential for new risk. Now, ledgers, you know, if you have a ledger connected to your computer and you're online on the internet and you click on a dodgy link, there's always been the possibility that a piece of malware or something malicious could get onto your computer, uh, change the way Excuse me. Change the way your computer is um, is functioning. Change the way that the ledger interacts with it, um, and you know, try to steal some of your funds. You know, if you if you if you've got a computer on the internet, you've got your ledger connected to it. You have that ledger application open. When it came to signing transactions and things like that, you typically needed to press some buttons on the ledger device. Now, it's always had some kind of risk that someone could hack it, and in fact, it's been hacked a few times. Um, where people could access some information, uh, including potentially some of the keys. So it's not like these changes are bringing a new level of risk that wasn't thought about. It's that they, they've, they've eliminated um, the trust and the concern is that these new changes weaken that secure enclave. They make it much easier for someone to, um, to access it like a vault and open it up and look inside and get your keys. Um, what they actually said recently in response to this as well is that um, you know, it has always been possible to write firmware that facilitates key extraction. Uh, you've always trusted Ledger not to deploy such firmware, whether you knew it or not. And that's a really key statement to understand, because 
when you prior to them making this announcement announcement when you bought a hardware lot wallet and you thought about what your threat what the threats were against you you know a, a thief or a hacker or or whatever it was you know one of those threats was not the company that makes it being able to access the keys the design of the hardware was meant to be so that they couldn't do that that was that was something that the in all the marketing in all the statements in all the press reviews in all the things that they've been done it, it was never supposed to be possible for somebody at ledger to to write a piece of code that could get back your keys and the fact that ledger have said this makes me and very and, and, and rightly a number of people in the security space question the integrity and security of the of of their device now um they in the past they, they they've had they've suffered several breaches um there's been attacks where keys were recovered prior to them having a secure element they added the secure element which was supposed to stop all of those attacks they then had an incident where they were hacked and all their customer data was stolen and that was used for hackers to send phishing emails trying to get people's seeds um so this is now the third strike with ledger and and you know when you've got these emerging technologies when you've got something that's like a hardware wallet um you think the first time you you, you get it uh you know there's going to be growing pains there's going to be maybe a security risk or two along the way you know one time yeah maybe a hack happens two times okay these things you know it it happens but the third time it, for me is the strikeout um you know a company at that point is showing themselves to have a systematic level of failure where they are consistently failing to meet um security needs of their consumers um and in this instance it looks like they may have outright um developed some kind of uh, utilities and tools uh, that allow them to access keys um and that that's really alarming so i know there's a lot of confusion around this topic and i know there's a lot of fear and it's like well i've got a ledger what does it mean for me right what what does that mean um and it, what it means is that uh your keys may be more at risk now because because of changes that ledger are making to the firmware to support ledger recover so you know you you may want to think about moving from a ledger device to a platform that perhaps doesn't have the same level of risk that hasn't hasn't found to, hasn't been found to have three or four high risk incidents in the past um you know is very clear in its marketing doesn't make statements that you know are very concerning the statement made by ledger support on the 17th of may about their ability to extract keys um well i don't know if you know much about the united states government and 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 how they functioned in the past but there is an ongoing uh, task force operation and secure uh, and, and sec interest in cryptocurrency there is a uh, a, a large movement um of going after these companies like ripple and and various others um if you were the ledger and you've built a device that holds everybody's keys and the federal government came to you and said hey we've arrested someone they've got a ledger um and we need help getting their key off it well it looks like ledger might be able to do that for them um and similarly this cloud recovery uh reeks a lot of civil asset forfeiture so you know companies like ledger that in the past when the when stuxnet happened which was a big cyber warfare incident um the company siemens whose devices were targeted were actually reimbursed by the federal government the the united states government paid them a uh, huge sum of money because their equipment was hacked so that they could disable Iran's nuclear program um similar kind of thing and uh, and 
concern here is that how do we know that Ledger hasn't been paid by the U.S. government to assist them in the goals of civil or criminal asset forfeiture um, and key recovery. Now, there's been a number of, of incidents recently where people who had cryptocurrency um, securely held on these kinds of wallets uh, were arrested, um, and somehow, mysteriously, they were the funds were able to be recovered, even though these individuals practiced quite strong operational security methods. So it does lend quite well to the hypothesis that um, there's potentially a wide move in targeting cryptocurrency users and that Ledger may have played ball uh, with another party because it really is them shooting themselves in the foot here. Um, for them to make the statements that they've made and to undermine the trust in the product that they've built in the way that they have um, is, uh, is either fundamentally very stupid or, or, or somebody has um, you know, a, a, an interest in them doing that. Um, so, you know, that again, that's just a hypothesis. I don't have um, much in the way other than past incidents to go off on that. It's just to me that looks a lot like, um, you know, they've considered adding support for how do they deal with asset forfeiture in cryptocurrency. And, um, you know, when, when it comes to uh, their particular hardware as well, um, it's closed source. Uh, and, and what that means is that you can't just go and download the software and look at it and figure out what it does. Um, you know, you can't just reprogram your ledger with your own software. Only ledger can do it. And ledger are expecting you to trust them. That's that's it. There, there is no other guarantee other than trust us. Um, and when they've broken the trust three times, um, for me, that's three times too many. Uh, you know, it can happen one time in an early product development, but Ledger are well established now. They've been on the market for a long time. They've become one of the most popular brands. For them to do this at this stage um, is much more a lot, is much more concerning. Um, and whilst there's no immediate risk, for instance, there's no known attack that some hacker can use to just get your seed. Um, but in the past, when such attacks have come along, we've only been able to get perhaps a single key out of a ledger. Um, the fact that there's now a risk that you could recover every key off the ledger for all the different kinds of cryptos it's holding um, is, is, is going to attract a new, uh, you know, a whole bunch more um, security research is going to attract a lot more attacker attention. You know, so it could be if there is a risk of that, it could be a few weeks away, a few months down the line. Um, you know, there's not something that you need to panic about right now, but you need to understand that Ledger, that Ledger are asking you to trust them. They're asking you to trust what they've built, trust their code, and they're not offering us any proof that what they've built meets the need that it that that that, that we what you'd expect from something like a secure enclave. So. Um, because of that, I feel that the user trust, the trust in their product is gone. And there are other tools and there are other hardware wallets out there that haven't got the same, um, that haven't misused their consumer trust. So looking at things like the Trezor Model T, it's very similar to Ledger. It uses the same kind of chipsets. It's been built around the same time. They were early competitors to the market. Um, you know, and if you're just looking for something to jump over to um, that's in the same price bracket, uh, that, that's well understood, that's undergone the same kind of peer review, perhaps moving to that um, is an option. But the thing about both of those wallets is they're, they're kind of hybrid wallets. They're not, you know, you can use them as kind of cold storage, um, you know, but they're not like a paper wallet. 
They're not like a brain wallet that, you know, the, they are, um, they are semi-connected. You know, you plug them in via USB, you connect them to a computer that may have internet access. You send the transactions from that internet connected computer. So it's kind of a hybrid. We refer to it as a hybrid wallet. It's a, it's a hot slash cold wallet. You can use them for cold wallet storage and you can put security controls in them, but there's always been a little element of concern around these products. In fact, I've never had um, just, you know, one ledger with a, a huge sum on it. I've always distributed it across many ledgers because the risk of them being hacked exists. Um, and, and today we've got more, um, you know, what, what are considered kind of next gen hardware wallets that have come along. Um, and one in particular, which I've recommended, and I know it's pricey, um, but it, it, the thing that's clever about it is it's, uh, it's the first air gapped wallet. Um, so these, uh, you know, the, the, the engrave, uh, zero, for instance, which is, um, it thinks about 350 pounds. It's an expensive, um, device, uh, but it contains a more secure operating system and it's what's known as air gapped. It's never actually connected to a computer. So your risk of it being hacked, are uh, slim to none, like, you, you know, it's much more likely that you're going to have what's known as the $5 wrench attack. And that is someone physically getting hold of you and, and, and hitting you with a $5 wrench until you give up whatever you have in your crypto. Um, you know, and that, and, and that, and that, that, that's kind of maybe a bit more of a comfortable level of risk for some people. Um, and uh, they've also, that company in particular, has uh, one of the best cryptographers in the world working for them. Um, you know, his work's widely understood. And they have come up with um, better ways of backing up. This is something that Ledger have shot themselves in the foot in. They're saying, hey, Ledger Recover, uh, you know, upload your key to a third party, you know, have a know your customer, give us your passport. That's the safe way to back up your key. Um, whereas that company have come up with something they call the perfect key. And that is a way of backing up your key onto a metal plate that's split in two, and you can hide one side of the plate in one place and one side of the plate in the other. Uh, and you need both pieces of the plate uh, to recover it. And it's not like someone else's plate can help you get back your seed. Um, you know, it's a, it, it's, it's your plate is unique. They randomize the layout of the world. They call it, they call it a, pri a, a perfect key. Um, which is kind of a bold move for them, but uh, you know they are they are definitely addressing the the security problems that we've seen with these hardware wallets are being addressed and fixed by the products they're bringing to market. That's essentially what that co that company that co that company's goal is. Um, you know, so that I, I do think if you can spring for it, it's well worth it, especially if you plan to have truly a cold wallet for storing crypto for perhaps years at some time. Um, then that is at the moment the best choice on the market for high security individuals who want to hold sums of money for long periods of time in crypto. Um, ledgers, the trust that Ledger have lost um, with their their current statement around the secure enclave, um, you know, they are they are expecting everybody to trust them when they have made statements that says, "Hey, you have been trusting us all this time, and we could have got your keys whenever we wanted them." Um, and, and it's just whether you're comfortable with that level of trust. Do you trust this company? And I'm going to speak for myself here. This isn't everybody. Uh, but I personally have trusted the wrong businesses, the wrong companies, the wrong exchanges, the wrong uh, wallet software. And I have myself lost huge sums of money um, that, 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 that really hurt and, and, and I struggled with for a long time. So for me, 
I'm not going to take any risk. When the trust is gone, the trust is gone, and I'm done with the product. So it's very annoying because we've spent thousands of dollars on ledgers. We have a number of them, especially given that we're building a bank. We, you know, we need we need secure wallets. We look at all the different options available. Um, you know, and and it's really upsetting because ledger, you know, they they were the best of a bad situation. They weren't they weren't, in my opinion, the best design. Um, but they were they were the they became the most popular. They had the widest coin support. They became the kind of the the choice for people entering into cryptocurrency for retail investors. It was a good product because because of the claims that they had made, because of the marketing, because of the security views that had taken place, and they have done undone all of that. Uh, with these statements. So my, whilst, whilst I, the key thing to remember is not to panic, there isn't any immediate risk to your funds right now that there wasn't before this happened. There are, however, changes being made to the firmware. If you've updated to the latest ver version, um, if you've opted into this key recovery, you're adding a whole new level of risk. Um, you know, Joel Katz from the uh, from Ripple had his comments there around, um, you know, it's changed the threat model. It's changed what people perceived as the risks to their crypto and added a whole new risk. And that risk is, do you trust Ledger? Well, based on the fact that they've had several incidents in the past and that they've now made these claims which have invalidated things that they previously said, I don't trust Ledger. Um, and that's, and that, you know, some people say, oh, it's nothing to worry about. And, and that's fine. I'm not here to tell anybody what they choose to do. Um, but I will speak from a security perspective. It's raised a lot of red flags. A lot of people, um, you know, including other peers in this industry, are also raising red flags. Um, you know, the, the chips themselves, these secure enclave chips, they can't actually sign transactions. So there's always been some level of risk. Um, but the fact that Ledger are willing to take your seed and share it with third parties is the biggest red flag in crypto. And there's just, in my opinion, if their customers aren't flocking to other products right now, um, then that, that, that to me is, uh, you know, is a disaster waiting to happen. So my advice is don't be like I've been in the past and get caught out because you think that's a really big brand. There's no way they can fail. There's no way they can mess this up. Well, Mark Caples, who ran the cryptocurrency exchange, Mt. Gox, uh, he was a really big brand as well, and he took me for six figures. So, um, you know, these uh, these big brands, they can fail. Um, these incidents, they do happen. So, uh, you know, my advice here is that, you know, the trust is gone. Um, a lot of people who have my kind of background are warning about this. Um, a lot of people from the technical spaces are warning about this. Um, and there are other products on the market that I would advise people to start considering. Um, and whilst you don't need to move right this second, there's no reason to run off from this call and do it, you might want to think about doing it over the next couple of weeks to the next few months, because any risk that Ledger have added to the product now is most likely going to be exploited by somebody or it targeted at least. Um, and that's usually the kind of time frame you could expect. Um, so that's that's where I, I would see with that. So I, I will open to questions if people have specific questions. Um, I hope I haven't rambled too much there. But Jennifer, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, uh, no, I think that was great. I I mean, yeah, it, it's unfortunate. It really upsets me that we have to do this about Ledger because, you know, a lot of people kind of you know, got their first start in crypto and were very proud of being able to move keys. But, you know, this is the nature of where we are in. Um, uh, just to kind of add on to what Matthew said, like they, they're talking um, 
about, uh, you know, KYC. And so we can kind of see how this is going, right? Where they want everybody KYC so they can track your money. And that, that really is, you know, a big red flag. So that's why we need to be very vocal in discussing this and making sure our voices are heard on this kind of just, you know, uh, dissatisfaction, like this isn't enough. Uh, and I very, very rarely agree with Joel Katz on Twitter, but I found his tweets, you know, very comforting because at least there was, there were still, there were, you know, there were more people speaking out, um, you know, over the people that were just accusing us of FUD. So thank you, Matthew, for, for speaking about that. And I think your experience with Mount Gox is you know one that people should really hope never happens to them and that's why we do what we're doing now <laughs> i agree i mean you know it, it, people often have this misconception in, in in crypto well that's a big brand they've been around for a long time but it's still a very early space it's still an emerging tech market uh, a red flag like this like you say with the know your customer um you know maybe Maybe Ledger have done it securely enough and you feel comfortable with that and you trust their brand. However, for me, that it's got a lot of red flags that just look a lot like civil or criminal asset forfeiture, a way for governments to be able to recover your funds in the event you try to hide them from them um, or any other reason uh, why you wouldn't want to, uh, you know, share how much crypto you hold or whatever. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it isn't something that everybody needs to panic about. But I would definitely say consider moving to one of the alternatives. Now, the the, the Trezor Model T, um, you know, and and uh, and these types of devices, they're in the same kind of price bracket, but they are they are quite an old design. They you know they they use uh, the same same kinds of chips. Um, these newer next gen wallets, um, like the uh, the Titan. Um, and the Engrave uh, Zero, these newer wallets, uh, you know, they're air gaps. They are a lot more secure designs. They don't ever connect to the internet. There's no risk of you catching, of you getting viruses from them or malware on your on your device. Um, you know, so that you you pay more for them, but they have higher security, and that's really the trade off. Um, you know, and Jennifer, I'll echo what Jennifer said. I personally own a large number of ledgers. Um, and I'm furious because I have several brand new that I need to use for different things. Uh, and we have to basically no longer use any of them. Um, you know, we, we, we have come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, this is the, th this is the third strike for Ledger. Um, a lot of people are raising questions on this. They're making changes to the secure element. Um, it shouldn't be physically possible to do what Ledger have stated they can do on their on their social media so whether that's just marketing people not not being fully aware of it um in my opinion that's that's the big red flag and i had red flags about mount gox um and i ignored them because i felt like hey this is a big exchange everyone's got thousands of pounds on here how i'm not going to be the one to lose out my money's going to be on here for like three or four weeks i'm not going to be it's not going to affect me um and it did and it hurt and i and you know and that 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 is an experience that I want to avoid for anybody else. I don't want anybody else to experience that. And I myself don't want to experience that again. So for me, this is a, a, a death blow for Ledger. Um, it's eroded completely the trust in the product for whatever reason, whether they're doing it for um, asset forfeiture, for KYC, whether they thought it was a good idea. They are completely tone deaf to what people are saying. 
Um, they've raised so many red flags that for me, it's just, I'm done with that product. Uh, other products are available that do a better job um, that have been more thought out and I will be moving uh, to those as quickly as, as, as can be done. Um, so that's, that, that's, that's, that's just essentially what that is. So if you have questions about ask away. Julie, do you have a question? Yes, evening all. Um, I was just looking on the Engrave CMO uh, device, and there seems to be one that comes with a graphing. Now, I couldn't work out from the website what the graphing is all about that comes with this device, the more expensive. What, what is that all about? So the graphene is what they call their perfect key. Um, if you if you've had a ledger, then you'll know that when you set your ledger up, you get given a seed and that comes on some pieces of paper that you then back up to, to keep safe. Um, and then some people think, well, you know, my paper is not the best way. And they put it on a metal plate where they kind of chisel in the in the letters into a metal plate. The graphene is a, uh, a an improvement on the metal plate. What it is, it's two parts, and the top part has your uh, has randomized letters. So each one is different. Um, so you put that top part over your plate, uh, back your seed up onto that plate, and then you need both the top part and your bottom part to recover your seed. And that allows you to put those two plates in different locations. So if somebody, uh, you know, uh, got it broke into your house or into wherever you're, you, you've put your thing into your vault or your safes or whatever, um, you know, if, if they get in and they find your, your keys, they can't recover your crypto because you could put one half in there and another half, you know, buried in a chest in your back garden under a tree. I mean, I'm not saying to do that, but um, the idea is that it gives you the option of backing up your seed uh, in a way that requires someone to steal it from two locations rather than just one. So it's just basically adding a little bit more security um, in how you protect those uh, those keys, those seed phrases um, that essentially unlock all your crypto. And it's important to know your ledger doesn't actually hold any crypto. It holds just those keys. The tokens all live on the network. Those keys are what unlock your fund. So the more security you have around your keys, uh, ultimately, the better. You know, you want to you want to um, accurately assess the risk. You know, is someone going to physically overpower me and take these from me? If they did, they need to take two pieces from you. You see, so it gives you an extra element of security, and that's what the graphene is. It's an improvement over the existing metal plates that uh, that have been around for a while, um, and they call it a perfect key. It's a it's quite a clever way of doing it, and um, you know I actually wish I'd thought of it. I wish <laughs> I wish somebody else had thought of it. You know, like the, the, the you know the fact that it took so long for someone to come up with it is actually really quite a clever way of storing your key safely so that it won't you know get lost in a uh, you know an incident or anything like that or stolen or or something like that. Um, hopefully that helps you there. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Keith, did you have a question? Um, hi, everyone. Sorry about this. We came in late, got the notice late. Um, but you're saying about zero M or something. It's got an air gap. Exactly how does that one then work if you say it doesn't go through the Internet or go through your computer? So th this is really cool. Um, it basically uses a wallet software on your mobile device 
that allows you to scan QR codes that are generated on the device itself. So, you know, if you want to sign a transaction to send some funds to someone, you generate that code on your device, you scan that code in on your mobile phone, and your mobile phone is what's connected to the internet and allows you to basically have that signed transaction. So it transfers the messages via the camera on your device. It never actually connects via Bluetooth or the internet or anything else. Um, it's quite a clever design. It's the first um, you know, what I would consider to be a truly cold wallet. Um, they call they claim it's the coldest wallet around, uh, because it doesn't, uh, connect to anything. It just sits there, uh, and allows you to scan QR codes and that's how you interact with it. Does that help? Okay. So, so with the, where I've got a Nano and a Nano X, you're saying that the, the coins aren't on there. There it's actually just the code that's on them, my 24 word code. So your, your keys are stored in there. I mean, we covered this at the start, but essentially there's something yeah, called that. Can you hear me? There's a secure enclave on your ledger that holds keys, and those keys unlock your fund on the network. Um, and, it's, and it's those keys that need to be protected. Now, the, the, the things with the ledgers and the Trezor is you typically connect to them to your laptop. Um, you, you, you have them on the internet. They work a little bit like a hot wallet. That is, it's connected online. You fill out your transaction, you sign your transaction, you click some buttons on the ledger. That sends your transaction through the network. If, you, if your computer had some malware, there's a chance they could change the addresses um, and you might not notice on the screen. If they hack no. your ledger, they could change the software on the ledger. Um, and that's what the concern is that now Ledger are saying that they could do a lot more with their software than anybody thought possible before. Um, and that's why a lot of people are kind of panicked. And, and I'm, I've reiterated to everyone, you, there's no need to panic right now. You're, you're no more at risk, really, other than the fact that the threat model has changed. Now we have to think about, do we trust Ledger? Um, and they're saying, just trust us. Um, and I'm not someone, I'm not a very trusting person. I'm very paranoid. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, that that's why other newer generation wallets might be a better choice. Um, the Trezor Model T has been established. It's been around for a long time. It's, it's very easy to use. Um, the Ledger just is more popular. Um, but they are very similar devices. My my current advice, though, is to move to whatever is the is the the most secure on the market. Um, and currently, that appears to be uh, the the zero. Okay. Now, one of the other things is that with Ledger, you could buy them from Ledger, and it came direct. It came all sealed. Blah blah blah. Um, and it, it, we were advised not to buy them from other sources. So is there a, a secure place we can buy these zeros? Because I've just had a quick look, and I keep getting things like Argos. Uh, Amazon keep popping up, obviously, as I want to go through, through Amazon to buy something like this. I, I would advise to always buy direct from the manufacturer. Um, you know, that, that's, that's yeah. always the same. Thanks. Sorry. So who is the manufacturer of the zero? The N-grade, the wallet that you... Promoted. Yeah, it's in the thread. The the link is Lovely. in okay, the thread. Thanks. I'll put it down in there. We've also posted an affiliate link in there. If you if you do go on there and you are you are planning to buy one, um, you know every little helps. We have to buy quite a lot of hardware wallets for our Web three startup. So if you are planning to buy one, if you if you do use our affiliate link um, direct from the manufacturer, it does help us out. They give us like 10 bucks or something. So um, that's useful if you don't mind. It is, uh, just throwing it out there. That's fine. Great. Thanks for your help. Much appreciated. Charlotte. Thank you, Keith. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> hi, Jen. Hi, Matthew. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes, we can. Matthew? Oh, yeah, I can. 
Um, so uh, apparently on the Engrave site, apparently, or, or even through the affiliate, I think they're already out of stock. Um, so while we're waiting for them to get into stock, I already have a dis dissent. Uh, Matthew, what are your thoughts on the dissent for a short duration? I personally haven't used it, but I've heard no complaints from people that have. Um, you know, when we did our evaluation of hardware wallets, it wasn't available at the time. Um, I would like to try one out. Uh, I just, uh, it, again, a, a lot of them are comparable security-wise to the ledgers and the Trezor because they use the same chips. They, they, they use the same bits of silicon. They are, they are variations um, of the same kind of design. They write their own software. Some of them are better than others because they'll allow you to have open source or you can verify the components. I'm not aware of anything at the moment that would raise a concern around the Descent wallets. I know there are other wallets that are out there as well. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, if, if that if that wallet's working fine and you're keeping an eye on the security updates for it, um, then that may well be just suitable one to use as well. Um, you know, my, my thoughts are only for the uh, Engrave uh, uh, is um, obviously it's the highest security. Given my background in security, that's where my thought goes all the time. I want to protect my assets from all kinds of threats. Um, that doesn't mean it's very usable. Uh, you know, it's going to be more difficult to use. It's not going to be as user friendly. Um, these other devices may well be a better fit for what your use cases are. Sorry, I, I don't mind about that at all. I'm just concerned that they're out of stock. Yeah, they've had a big rush. Uh, obviously, when the Trezor, when the uh, Ledger news broke, uh, a lot of people rushed to but to buy them, um, and th that put them out of stock. Uh, I do think that they they they, they do seem to get stock in quite regularly, so it's worth kind of just watching on uh, on their website. Um, I spoke to several other hardware wallet manufacturers about their support for XRP and various others. Um, and they, they, there are some really cool looking products out there that, that, that are planning to support XRP in the future. Um, they're just not there yet. Um, so, you know, the, the, the Lattice one uh, eventually might be a, a viable, an interesting viable option. Um, you know, we use Tangum cards to store NFTs. Uh, but I, I think the, uh, the, uh, the Descent wallet, uh, if you're moving your funds to, over to the Descent wallet, uh, I wouldn't worry about having your funds on there. Um, you know, that, 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 that should absolutely do you for the next, you know, couple of months or so. Just keep an eye on vulnerabilities and practice that same operational security, you know, that you, that, that you would use before. Make sure you're not using it on a computer that uh, has lots of uh, viruses or, um, you know, is used for loads of other activities like, you know, the family PC that a teenager might use to play games, things like that. Um, you know, a little, a little bit of uh, uh, what they call operational security uh, goes a long way. Um, you know, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, it's about how much risk are you comfortable with. For, for us, at, at the moment, almost any other product is looking better than Ledger because of what the statements that they've made. So if you've moved to Trezor, if you move to Descent, or if you move to another, um, then that is, uh, you know, uh, an improvement uh, until more information comes from Ledger or, you know, because at the moment they're just asking them to trust them on faith. And the only person I've got faith for is Jesus. So, uh, you know, they need to uh, clarify yeah. exactly what it is that they are doing. Um, and until that, until such time as they do, my advice would be any, other products are already doing the same job, if not a better job. So, you know, moving to any of them would be fine. Is, is it possible that um, you, you guys could maybe put a list of kind of like, as well as the end, 
grave wallet, you know, while we're waiting, if there's any other wallets that you think are up to the same standard or anything, like we could just have it all in a sort of chat or something that we could access just because the internet is so bad. I, I, it's been cutting in and out for me a bit. Is that possible? Sure. Yeah, of course. But I mean, again, just if you can use your decent wallet um, and then I guess, you know, if people just want to hang on to Ledger until they get the new one or, you know, I guess everybody mm. needs to make the decision for themselves. But, yeah, I can ask Matthew to put that uh, put together something. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've just made. I've just made the decision. I'm never trusting them again. I feel really like Matthew because I got caught in that first thing where they published my postal address. And, and for me, it's like too many strikes now. I'm done with them. Yeah. I, That's I how I feel. Yeah. I understand, Charlotte. But thank you. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. And Anytime. At this point, the ledger problems are starting to look like a habit and less like a one-off. So that I agree. I, I completely understand. Your, your descent will be fine. I, I'm currently advising people on the Trezor Model T um, because it's one that we have experience in. We've used the Trezor Model T. The only reason we use the ledgers over the Trezor is it's just the ledgers are a little nicer to use. Um, but if you if you felt comfortable with the ledger, the Trezor Model T is exactly the same kind of thing, works more or less the same kind of way, has all the same kind of support, um, you know, and is, a, is literally just a swappable device. Other wallets like the Descent, um, like some of these other, uh, the Titan and various others, I haven't used every single one. Um, I've, I, I go through periods where we look at the newer ones and we, we use the latest ones. Um, I have no, I've, I've heard nothing but good things from other people who have, but I can't, I can't personally vouch for them as I haven't done the same level of investigation into them as I have with these other ones. Uh, you know, I know the team behind, uh, this other, this, the, 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 the zero. Um, so, you know, I'm aware of the cryptographer. I've looked at a lot of reviews. I've seen others using them. Uh, I'm quite comfortable that that is, uh, doing what they're claiming it does um, and is sufficiently robust. So, yeah, it may well be a time before they have more in stock. I know that you can buy them with the plate, um, you know, right off the bat, you can get them, uh, but they may even have sold out now. And the reason is because a lot of people are in this situation now. A lot of people thought Ledger, that's all they would ever need. Um, but, you know, it's old hardware. I, I mean, the first time I saw a Ledger was maybe – uh, you know, six or seven years ago, and they've improved a lot over that time. Um, but as I said, this is starting to be a habit with them now where they're starting, you know, and this change that they're making, um, it's just a lot of red flags. And I've been caught out before because I didn't listen to the red flags that went off. Um, so I'm just not taking the risk. And, and, and you know, each everyone's up to their own. Um, but as I said, we will post um, you know, the, the, the wallets that we have, they are in the digital assets channel. If anyone wants to scroll back there and see what we've said, um, you know, that, and that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on it. And thank you very much for your questions. Hey, Mike, did you have a question? Yeah. What is the likelihood of the situation with Ledger ever happening again? Hi, they, 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 uh, hi, Mike. They, um, you know, the fact that they have made a statement that says that they have always been able to extract the keys. Now, it's raised questions on the secure elements that a lot of these uh, devices are using. So a lot of people don't know this, and I'm sorry for getting technical, but the secure elements don't actually implement 
um, SEC P256K1 or, or whatever the, uh, the, uh, the signing mechanism that's quite commonly used to sign transactions. So there's always been an element of key risk uh, exposure. If somebody ran an exploit on your computer, they could potentially get the key from your secure enclave for perhaps, you know, a single, um, you know, let's say it's Bitcoin, let's say it's Ethereum, you know, they could get the Ethereum key out of it um, with some clever malicious code and exploit. So that's been kind of a risk that's understood. What these changes that Ledger are doing and the, the concern that everybody has is that it's now not just going to be, oh, I can just get my Ethereum key. Now it's going to be, I can also get the seed. Um, they're already showing people that they can export the seed, make the seed available under a KYC agreement. Um, now they've said that it's using sharding and they're saying that they're doing it all securely. But for, for, for security app solutionists and people that come from this kind of background who understand that, you know, computers are broken, they do get hacked into, um, these things happen quite frequently. Uh, this is, the, uh, is a, a huge red flag in terms of the hardware wallet and the idea that they could do it again. Um, absolutely. I mean, they, they, they've already said that they have been able to do things like this with their code and that we've been trusting them all this time. Well, that wasn't the case. We all, we all understood that they couldn't physically do it. The whole point of the secure enclave, the whole point of how they, they introduced that design because they didn't have one at the beginning. That didn't exist. They added that. That was a function that they added because people kept hacking their devices. They added this function, and it was like it was supposed to limit via hardware. It was supposed to stop anybody, even Ledger, from getting access to those keys. And now Ledger have turned around and said, that's not true. We could get the keys all this time, and we could get the keys again if we want to because you just have to trust us that we won't because we, we do proper security. Um, and for, for anyone that understands this kind of space, those are huge red flags for a vendor to, that claims to be making. Um, they're, they're making a disaster of it on social media. They clearly aren't understanding what their customers' concerns are. They're not understanding what the risks are from a security perspective. Um, and for me, that is the, the in this space where the technology is changing so quickly, uh, it's time to think, what are the alternatives? Uh, we've looked at the alternatives and, and the ones that we've come up with uh, have been shared in the channel. So I hope that answers your question, Mike. Uh, it was also just relating to other wallets in general. In other wallets in general. Um, so some of them are open source. Uh, some of them have higher grades of security. Um, it's all about, uh, you know, they, they haven't, made any statements or any kind of publication that makes me get concerned. The, the best design um, that I'm aware of is completely fully open source. It's fully transparent. However, it doesn't support XRP. Um, and because of that, it's a Bitcoin-only product. Um, and I've actually had lots of arguments with the creators of it because it's my opinion that this Bitcoin-only Marxism, this idea that this is one cryptocurrency and that's the only one, and let's make products just for that one, unfortunately is making other users less secure. So I am actually thinking that I might just make that product work with XRP um, for my own uses. And because it's open source, anyone can take the code and change it. Um, so the, the, if you can find open source uh, codes and look at the level of certification that's involved, um, you know, the, there's higher levels of certification involved with the, uh, the other chip, the, the newer devices. Um, but again, uh, there is an element of trust 
you are trusting these vendors. You are trusting them. When you purchase their products, you're trusting them to do what they say that those products do, and you're trusting that they function the way that they're designed or that, that you would expect them to, to run. So there is a, le a level of trust there. At the end of the day, you're trusting them to do cryptography, um, the actual encryption part of this cryptocurrency space. You're trusting them that they do that correctly. So for me, when this company in particular comes along and they have, you know, he one of the best cryptographers in the world, he's a mathematical wizard um, who comes up with a new kind of perfect key and a whole bunch of other really useful stuff and they publish it in academic papers that can be referenced and they share you know code and they're very transparent to me they're, they're ticking all the right boxes i'm quite happy to jump on them i'm endorsing their product um you know and uh, uh quite eager uh to see you know what the next generation of these wallets that come along because they seem to get better over time um the ledger the treasure uh, those designs, they, they haven't changed much over six years, um, six, seven years. The, the, the key change was that they added a secure enclave, which was supposed to be the, you know, this kind of crypto vault, so this, this high security chip that protected all your secrets um, that, that, these, that, that Trezor and Ledger physically couldn't extract information. So um, as far as we're aware, Trezor still uphold that promise. Um, but my, I would say that they, they are very similar products. They do potentially work in a very similar fashion. Um, you know, so, so that is also a concern in the future, whereas these newer next-gen products, they're using different kinds of chips. They're using newer hardware. They've changed the design. So, um, you know, it could happen to other vendors. Uh, it could happen to other products. Uh, you know, there is an element of trust in which product you buy. Um, but I will say that so far, no, the other vendors have uh, not shown the same, same um, you know, lack of uh, concern around user trust. When Ledger, you know, were hacked and all of everyone's details were stolen and phishing attacks and uh, a rampant fraud took place, you know, that was a, that was a pretty big deal. Um, you know, and you would have thought that they'd have learned the lesson from that. But to me, this is starting to look like a habit with them, that they are a little tone deaf on security, that they've made a great product, um, but they may have maybe maybe have embellished how that product works uh, and what it does. So, um, you know, take that as it is at face value. This is what I do professionally for a living. Um, you know, I evaluate systems and security. And for me, the risk of the ledger is, um, is a done deal. This is the third strike for me, um, you know, and, and when it comes about putting faith in something, I've said before, my faith is only with Jesus. I'm not going to put my faith in ledger, um, you know, when I can verify. There's a good saying that people say, trust but verify. If you can't verify the claims of these manufacturers or they don't have the supporting papers or source code to back it up, um, then, they, then they, there might be some risk there that you're not aware of, uh, which is the case with Ledger. We've all been told that, that, that you know, we should trust them, um, and they've so far not given us enough to be able to do that. So for me, I, I, I'm done, um, and hopefully that, that answers your question. Uh, it also, um, if someone hasn't got the money to buy another wallet at this stage, would there be a platform or a... Uh, a so I've, I've been uh, working all day, so and I've just got home. Uh, would there be a platform that you'd actually trust uh, for the interim, whilst you save up enough money to buy us another wallet? You could use so something called be... a brain wallet. Like you don't actually need to spend any money to create a crypto wallet. In fact, if you, um, as I mentioned before, we're building something called Cove Crypto. If you go to our GitHub on Cove Crypto, you'll find what's known as a brain wallet implementation. You can create a wallet from a set of words in your head that has a wallet address, 
that you can access the private keys of just from um, like a password. And you know, if you set, if you have the string of say uh, master passphrase, if you go onto the Ripple mainnet and, and use the brain wallet generation for master passphrase, that will actually give you the secret key and the public key that allows you to access funds that are used as a test wallet. Um, it was one of the one of the pieces of work I did around uh, around Ripple, and this is one of the things why we um, you know ultimately settled it on a, a, as a technology. You don't need any hardware at all to have a cryptocurrency wallet. Um, you can just have a phrase that you memorize in your head. But again, that starts to become a bit more advanced. Um, this these calls and the things that we do with Jen is really aimed at. Uh, you know, people who are on the retail side of things who might not have that same level of technical expertise. But if you're if you're technically smart, you can have your funds hidden behind a phrase that only you know, um, and that phrase unlocks your funds whenever you're a computer. You don't need any hardware to do that. Um, it's called a brain wallet. There's an implementation of it on our GitHub. Uh, it was one of the things that I did to 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 fund um, that tool in the initial stages. Um, and then since we've done other, uh, we've done bug bounty type issues around security with the with Ripple um, to help resolve any security issues that they have. And that's you know for us. Um, you know, I, I'm a security conscious person. Uh, you know, you don't need to have a hardware wallet if you don't want one. Uh, but again, it, 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 that becomes a lot more complicated um, and requires you to know a lot and really trust what you're doing with the technology. Um, you know, I wouldn't personally take the risk, but you can do it. Um, so, yeah, if you want to have a look at that, it, there is one on our GitHub. Alan, are you there? Hi, guys. Um, long time no speak. Um, I'll put my Yorkshire dulcet tones into effect. Um, Matthew, um, I'm thinking it might be sensible. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I, I do this with precious metals that you have several wallets and perhaps you have a small hard wallet with not a lot in it. So if you ever get mugged and, or somebody's violently threatening you, you can give them one of your wallets and it's got very little in it. So what, what would you suggest as multiple hard wallets would be a, a, a sensible idea to spread your risk around. So if you got physically threatened, um, you could give them a wallet, but it's got something in it, but not a lot. Yeah, um, you know, everyone's security model is different. Everyone's threats are different. Um, you know, everyone, everyone might experience different threats. I, I, I deal with a lot of computer hacking risk and computer hacking threats. And also, you know, we are I'm obviously concerned about physical risks. Um, you know, diversification, having multiple wallets, having funds spread in, in different ones, obviously reduces you to a single, you know, from a single incident. Um, there is a feature in one wallet, which I haven't yet seen in any of these other wallets. I really want it to be there, which is actually a duress password. So that is if someone is physically holding you and saying, we want you to give us all the crypto you have, what's the key to this wallet? You can unlock a wallet that is an, is a kind of like a false wallet. There's two wallets in there, if you see what I mean. Um, and that's something that you can give up under duress. Um, now, you know, these the, these hardware wallets, and, and, and as I say, spreading out the risk, uh, all very smart. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going to hold large sums of crypto, spreading it out onto multiple wallets, you know, making sure that you take advantage of these new perfect keys, um, having a duress passphrase, uh, using a brain wallet, um, and then having, you know, other wallets, which, you know, we would consider, we call them hot wallets. They're hot wallets. They're ones that are connected to the internet, like the Trezor, like the Ledger, um, you know, or these Tangum cards. If you look at the Tangum card, it's really, it's quite cool. I, I'd recommend just for that kind of purpose, for low sums that you want to trade or that you want to use on the internet. 
um, you know, definitely uh, the more diversification, the, the, the more um, security you can add to things, uh, the better. But for, for most people, they need a they need a they need a strong base. They need a strong platform to put some security into it. So when it comes to um, choosing a hardware wallet. Um, you know, if you're going to, if it's something that you're going to put in a vault or you're going to put away for a long period of time, you obviously want cold storage. There's only really one on the market that can do that effectively. If you want something that you're going to use to trade or send money around, um, you know, you might want to choose something else that's a little easier to use and doesn't require so much effort to send funds from. Um, so yeah, I agree with you completely. The more, the, you know, the more the merrier. We've you know, countless, um, you know, hardware wallets over the years and, 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 and systems in place, um, you know, to, to add security. Um, but again, what, what is a risk to me and what my threat model is, isn't going to be the same for everyone else. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a well-known cybersecurity person, so I, I get uh, targeted a lot already from that. Um, so, you know, my risks are going to be different to someone who perhaps, uh, you know, is just investing in retail crypto, uh, crypto. Um, you know, I'm, I'm building a web three company so that everybody will have slightly different risks, um, their so-called threat model. Um, so, you know, it's about what, what level of risk are you comfortable with? If you spread your, um, tokens out onto multiple wallets and you, uh, ensure that you have those and maybe have a dummy wallet, it's a good good tactic to stop a mugger. Uh, you know, someone's mugging you and you throw a wallet on the ground with uh, some money in it, but not all your money, um, that will distract them enough for you to get away. Um, you know, similar thing with crypto, if you if you undo that. And I'm really hoping that the idea of the duress wallets uh, becomes more mainstream because there are implementations of it. Uh, it's just not, not uh, it, it, it requires someone very technical to do it for you. Thanks, Matthew. I think that's a, a great idea. I love the distress wallet. Yeah, it was a neat feature uh, that I really uh, hope will uh, make its way into other wallets as well with time. So, um, you know, it, it is just a case of, the, you know, it's still an emerging space. You know, people come up with new ideas, the perfect key, the duress wallet, you know, and, and eventually some of those take off. Um, but, you know, there is a lot of, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, zealousy, I, I guess, zealots uh, in this space where they will they will create something for Bitcoin and then they'll say, hey, it's Bitcoin only or they create something through Ethereum and it's, uh, it's Ethereum only. Um, so there's a lot of that going on at the moment, um, which I think is a, is a, is a, a negative for consumers and retailers. Um, but my hopes are that eventually these will be become standard for everything. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that helps anyway. Perfect. So we've got two more questions. We've got Marie, who's going to, I'll let you ask your question first. And then I've got one question asked by Sarah in the chat channel. Marie, are you there? Thank you very much. Um, just a couple of quick questions. The first one is, while we're waiting for the engrave to be in stock, and now that Ledger have alerted potential hackers to the fact there's a further weakness, do you think just shipping my keys to the zoom wallet would be less risk averse and secondly with the engrave does the air gapping business mean that um it sounds like ledgers maybe been given a backhander or something from the government to allow that facility to release people's assets um because there's a potential other companies could do that does the air gapping prevent them from being able to do that in the future so I'll answer the the, the second question first because um, the the first question uh, has kind of slipped my mind now. But the what you're asking there about the is that um, air gapping uh, going to stop someone from doing the key thing? So it's slightly different. 
different they're slightly different problems the fact that it's air gapped means that um you're not likely to get a virus on your laptop that can take advantage of your hardware wallet there's been uh viruses and malware that sit on your laptop that wait for you to make a transaction in ledger and then they try to change the address around or they change the ledger software so that you send funds to the wrong address um in the hopes you don't notice things like that uh which is why everyone's you know double check the address double check the firmware um and the integrity that was on the on the ledgers uh is what's at risk now the uh the the zero the engrave zero um it actually improves how those keys are created so in the past we've we've kind of uh we've been trusting ledger that enough randomness that when you get your device it creates these keys that those keys can't be created by somebody else that nobody else can access those keys well these statements are starting to sound like they might not be accurate um and uh when you generate keys i don't know if you know about this problem but computers are very hard to create random numbers if you turn a computer on it doesn't know what anything is random so it creates what's known as pseudo random numbers they're they're numbers that look kind of random but aren't necessarily random um you know they 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 and it relies on what's known as entropy so you know if it wants to get a random number how many times you turn the computer on or off how many times you wiggle uh, you know how how many times you wiggle the mouse or click the keys is what's used to create the randomness and that's called entropy um so these newer devices they actually use the light in your environment they allow you to control that entropy process which is um from a cryptography from a from a mathematic cryptography perspective it allows you to create truly random numbers which increases the security of your keys it's essentially taking what ledger have done making it even better taking what treasure have done making it even better um you know and making it so that cryptographically uh on paper mathematically it works out that your keys truly random and the that that nobody but you could have those keys and the fact that that device is air gapped means that there's no way that the people who make that device can have those keys um so you know it really does add a level of um additional security and and protection uh that we thought we got with ledger um you know we thought this is what ledger were doing in the first place now a lot of questions are being raised around what ledger was really doing because we don't really know because we can't see the code we're just being told to trust them um so that's that that that's why that is and the the first question if you don't mind repeating it it was just in the interim while I'm waiting for an engrave is the zoom wallet better just because the hackers have been alerted to the fact that ledger's now even weaker My advice is still not to panic. Um I think you might be more at risk moving to something like a soft wallet or a wallet on a phone. If you've got a hardware wallet, I wouldn't move from a hardware wallet to something on your phone to something on an exchange. I would still say that's at least you've got your keys. They're a little bit um you know more at risk than they were. Uh but um you know there's no immediate attack taking place, but you do need to think about moving to another hardware wallet. Um if you want to. I mean, you know, some people are saying trust ledger and they may have done the right thing but uh for me it's a no so my advice would be to uh to to only move to another hardware wallet not to put them on exchanges not to put them on things like uphold or whatever um the same not your keys not your crypto uh still rings true um and for everyone that had a ledger uh we believe not your keys not your crypto but it sounds like it was uh ledger's keys all along and possibly the US government so uh that's really a concern i feel like that there there is a uh, some level of uh 
um, risk there that, that now that that risk is present, uh, moving um, in the next few weeks to the next few months is the smartest thing to do. But you don't need to panic. Uh, there's no exploit taking advantage of this. There's no malicious software. Uh, there's a lot more eyes on this problem. Um, once it's once somebody starts to take advantage of it or ledger try to take advantage of it or there is further problems, um, you know, that could, could be a risk down the lane. I would say be careful with updating the firmware on the ledgers. Uh, don't opt in to this seed backup, um, you know, uh, and that goes against good security practice. Telling someone not to update software uh, is not something I like doing, but I am concerned about these new features and what new risk that that might bring. And until there's some um, some some assurance given from Ledger that that satisfies everybody, I would um, I would consider only moving to another hardware wallet. I hope that helps. That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Marie. Uh, so finally, to wrap up, I know everybody's jumping up and down to ask questions, but I'm conscious of the time. And you kind of touched on it there, Matthew. Um, Sarah asked that she's uh, seen a lot of tweets uh, that the S isn't as risky as the Nano X. Uh, I presume the risk levels across the board are, are the same, but uh, can you expand on that? Yeah, the X has Bluetooth and NFC and is designed for kind of wirelessly linking to your phone and your mobile device. The S has none of those features and only connects over a cable. So, you know, wireless adds a little more risk. Uh, a cable uh, is obviously a little less risky. Um, and with the newer wallets, there's no cable at all. There's just a picture on a screen. Um, so, you know, they, 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 they are slightly... I, I use the Nano S. I use the Nano S for storage, um, you know, but uh, again, it needed a cable. Uh, it wasn't foolproof. It was internet connected. Um, but when it comes to this issue around the secure enclave, the recent recovery, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's the X or the S. The risk is here is Ledger themselves. The risk isn't the hardware. The risk isn't some hacker, you know, having, you know, a virus on your computer. This is the company that you're buying from expecting you to trust them when they're telling you that they can get your your key if you give them your passport. It's just got so many red flags that um, I've said that enough already, but definitely that you, know, you should know what my thoughts are. Um, you know, it doesn't add additional risk uh, to the model. They're both the same level of risk, but they are slight, the S is slightly better for long-term storage because it's not wireless. Um, you know, wireless adds a level of risk that if you don't need it, you just buy something that doesn't have it. Perfect. Um, so everybody will be happy to know, and I'm sure Matthew won't be. Jennifer's just messaged to ask if I could keep you going for a little while longer while she gets back from picking up your darling daughter. So if you're happy to answer a couple more questions. My wife, eh? Um, yeah, go on. <laughs> Bobby, are you there? <laughs> oh, Bobby, are you there? I know he had his hand up. Hey. Hi, Bobby. Yeah, 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 I'm here. Yeah, can you hear me now? Yeah, aren't you a lucky one? So this doesn't happen often. Go for it, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Matthew. Thanks for sort of like going through all this stuff for us. It's absolutely amazing. Um, so, so my question is quite simple, really. It's just you was talking before about the the brain wallets. So, I come from a tech background, so I'm just wondering how I get access to your your GitHub on the Ripple mainnet. If you go to github.com slash cove credit, uh, you'll find the work that we're doing there. You'll find a command line tool that has uh, a wallet, a brain wallet implementation. You can also do it under the Ripple D node. Um, now, obviously, these are kind of prone to guessing. If you use a weak brain wallet, someone can guess it. But if you, uh, for instance, I don't know if you know of Diceware, if you take a dice, roll a dice a number of times, and then have a pad to say it's the Bible, 
create a random string of you know uh, memorable uh, Bible verses um, and then use that as a password. Uh, you know that 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 would basically be your key, um, and you could just supply that. And there's a tool there on the command line that you can use uh, to generate wallets in that nature. Okay, so from the commands that you use, they're, they're, they're all apparent there, are they, on the GitHub? Yeah, it's called XRPL CLI. It's a, a command line tool for working with the XRP ledger. Um, there'll be some more pushes to it later, but you can, the, if you look at that, it's like a little, uh, you just type make and it will make the tool for you. It should work on Linux. Uh, we support Linux. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've got a bunch of it at the minute. What, can, could you repeat that command again? Because I missed it, it went a bit funny. It's the XRPLCLI. If you just if you look at the README on there and then run the tool, there'll be an option there for Brain Wallet, and you can just run it with Brain Wallet, and it will generate the seed for you from the phrase. That is awesome. That is amazing. Thank you, Matthew. Perfect. Right. So, Bobby, I'm going to send you the link anyway to um, answer your question in the channel straight to the GitHub. Uh, Martin, are you there? I am. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, got you. Good stuff. Okay. Um, thanks, guys. Hi, Matthew. Um, very quick question. I, I currently use a Descent because it just seems to have better support for, for some of the alts that I want to buy, but I was looking for a true air-gapped one, and I came across SafePal, um, which is seems to operate in the same way as the Engrave by QR codes. Um, but when looking at all of this, you know, you get people saying, well, the Descent, SafePal, they're both closed source. Um, so then I thought, should I just my XRP move, use some in conjunction with the Tangent card? Um, but my, I guess my question is, um, is open source the be all and end all uh, when it comes to wallets? It's nice to have. Um, if you have the open source, then it gives you a, a much better visibility into what's going on. But you can often, um, you know, reverse engineer the firmware. And that's what a lot of security researchers do. They'll take you know, the firmware. I will say with things like SafePal, Descent, and all these other products, you know, they, there are newer products that come out onto the market. Um, when these new products come out, and we've seen it with older products like the Ledger and like the Trezor, when they bring out a new product, there's usually some kind of security bugs in the beginning. That's just an inevitable part of new products and, and product development. So I'm always cautious to jump to a new product that hasn't had as a strong, rigorous overview, um, you know, or perhaps doesn't have the same background in terms of the team. So I look at everything like the team involved, the, the source, whether the source is open source. But for me, open source and closed source isn't the end of the world. If I have it, it's nice to have. But if I don't, I can often figure out what it's doing by looking at it in a disassembler. So um, you then, however, if you can't do that yourself, you're trusting people like me to tell you when they find something wrong. Um, you know, and who's got time to reverse engineer everything in their house? I mean, I've reverse engineered our smart oven and turned that into a crypto miner. Um, you know, we mined, mined on a smart oven, you know. But, but again, it, it, that's a technical skill that takes a lot of time to develop. If something's open source, it just means that it's open to more peer review, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything is more secure. Uh, you can have a vulnerability in an open source product, and you can have a vulnerability in closed source product. You know, they can both they can both still have same kinds of problems. Um, it's just nicer to be able to read the source code. It shows a lot of um, you know transparency from the company, and when it comes to your cash and your assets, uh, you know you really want as much transparency. 
um, as possible. Um, but it's not the death knell for me. I'm quite happy with closed source products. I think a lot of them work good, um, you know, work well. Uh, you know, and, and, and as I say, with these newer ones, when you are using something that's new and not been around for a long time, just be aware that, that, that you need to keep an eye on the project, keep an eye on the security things, maybe keep an eye on the news headlines and see, you know, how do they handle a security incident? Do they have, um, you know, a bug bounty program? Do they have uh, a page dedicated to what to do if you find a problem? Um, you know, if they publish the source code, amazing. But for me, that's just an extra reason to like the company. It's not as, it's not as much of a mark against them as you think. Um, but for the average person, uh, you know, I, I would always prefer it. Uh, I would always prefer that everything was open source. Um, but I understand, you know, products aren't always going to do that. Um, and a lot of the times I can work out what it's doing um, by reverse engineering it. So, you know, you just have to ha have to weigh it by ear. If it's a relatively new product, I'd be a little bit, a little more cautious um, with, with how I handled it than if it was a well-established product that's been around for a long time um, that's, that's going to have had a lot of people already look at it. Um, you know, when uh, hackers are looking for ways to find, to break into things, they typically pick the newest thing on the market. I do it. I know, I know other people in this space do it. We find the thing that's new because it's l less likely someone else has found the problems before I find them. Um, and that's, and that's, and that's, that's, that's why open source is always better because it gives you m a bit more confidence, uh, but it's not a deal breaker for me. Uh, I hope that helps. It does. And sorry, one final question is using some with the tangent to sign uh, transactions, is that any more or less secure than just using a ledger or, or dissent? I love the Tangem cars. I'm so glad that you bought them up. They are amazing, but you know, they work a little similar to phone cards. Again, that's a company that there's a little trust there uh, in terms of, you know, you're trusting that the keys that are generated and all the secrets that are on your Tangem can't be recovered by anybody else. You know, you get a pack of them and there's, there's one concern I have around them in that you can, you can activate a code on your tangent that allows you to like copy your keys onto another tangent so that you can have backups of the tangent card. That feature is a concern. Um, you know, it's something that we're looking at to see if we could hack it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't use a tangent for high, you know, holding lots of value, but I use it for my NFTs. I load my NFTs onto the tangent. We load the domains onto the tangent. Um, you know, they are really cool little cards that allow you to quickly sign something. Um, but, you know, there are quite like there, it's very closed source. Um, you know, it's relying a lot on uh, kind of a, a smart card implementation over, a, over, a RFC, over NFC. So, uh, you know, they said you can't recover the key. They, again, a little like Ledger, you can't get the key. Um, but they have this key backup process, which kind of implies you can get the key because you can copy it from one card to another. So that to me is a little bit like a red flag in what they're marketing and what their product does. Um, so I wouldn't use one for storing a lot on them, but to have low value uh, that you might use for trading or for NFTs or for just signing transactions to get onto an exchange. I think they're great. If you like the Tangum, the Lattice One is a similar kind of product that they, they claim will support XRP in the future uh, that works a bit differently. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a proper smart card like you have on your chip and pin banking uh, card, um, but they all kind of, that's all kind of the same kind of thing. There's a company called Jamalto in France and a big thing about these cards is that if you want to verify what they do, 
you can't even dip them in acid because if you dip them in acid, they'll melt away the components. So it's actually really hard to see what those cards are doing. Um, so you are kind of trusting the vendors. Uh, and when they say, oh, you can't get the key, and then they allow this kind of backup where you can copy them amongst other cards, uh, it's an area that we're looking at um, from a security perspective, whether I can read somebody else's key. So um, I love the Tangem cards, but just be careful of the fact that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have large amounts on them. A couple of, you know, whatever you're comfortable with losing on them, you know, by all means. But um, I would just say that there is definitely a little concern around what they're doing. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Has anybody else got a final question? I can't see any hands up. Keith, I saw your hand up uh, earlier. Oh, there we are. Hi, Keith, can you hear us? I can turn the mic on. Um, just one quick one. Um, yeah, I've been looking at the, the in-gene uh, zeros, etc. I'll probably have a look at getting one of those. You were talking about the software on computers. Um, all my gears, Apple, is that safer if I'm on my um, nano cold wallets at the minute so that when I actually transfer it, I should be safer? Given what Apple are like with it, yeah. I mean, a Apple are a Apple are well targeted um, products, but you know they 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 do have stronger security than you know a lot of Windows or Linuxy kind of laptops. I think the thing with the Apple is you're you're kind of trading off some of the convenience for something that's slightly secure. Um, you know, they 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 are uh, they do try and keep the user out. They do do a lot around you know preventing malware and things like that. Um, you know, Apple is. Uh, it's not safe from it's not safe from a government agency. Um, it might be safe from the teenager down the road. You know, uh, it requires a bit of effort to hack into them, a little bit of cash maybe. Um, but you know, it, it, it's uh, they're no more secure than 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 than, than most other computers. Um, I would say that you know, as long as you've got um, this is a thing not to overlook antivirus on your Mac. A lot of people think that they can't get viruses, and that's just untrue. Uh, it's all because of a, a poor marketing decision where Apple said. Your Mac can't get a virus, um, and actually, uh, you know, they can. So maybe consider antivirus. I like a product called Intego. Uh, there's other products like Little Snitch um, that can help you see what your computer is doing that will pop up alerts. If your computer starts contacting systems in China, it'll pop up a little alert saying you're, 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 you know, you're trying to talk to China right now. Did you mean to do that? And if you start seeing Ledger sending things to Russia, <laughs> you know, you might, you might click, no, I didn't mean to do that. And then, and then think, well, perhaps my computer's hacked and go, and investigate so you know just make sure you're, you're using taking advantage of the security softwares that are out there um apple's relatively quite good if you keep it up to date you're running the latest patches and it's relatively recent hardware i'd say if it's older than four years uh it's time to go in the bin um and get something new uh that's just the the, the way that these things work unfortunately uh, they don't they, they ditch the uh they ditch support for uh, the older platforms and they tend to only support the newer ones. So, you know, you do have to keep refreshing from time to time, which is an annoying expense um, and something that I was hoping to avoid with my crypto wallets, but here we are. Yeah, I'm running on, on a recent M1 on the latest software. So hopefully, theoretically, it's on there, but you're saying it's a snitch. Yeah, little yeah, snitch is, yeah. it's, uh, I don't know if you can just might, yeah, little snitch is a, uh, it's like a firewall. Whenever your computer tries to contact another computer, and it, it, it will pop up a little box and say, um, "Did you want Safari to talk to this computer in New York? Allow, you know." And then you can click allow or deny. If your computer starts trying to talk to systems in Russia that you weren't expecting, at least you can see it on a map, uh, and you might think mm, maybe there's something wrong with my Mac, um, you know. Uh, and there are other tools by Objective C that you know antivirus tools. Um, a product called Intego. 
virus barrier. And the reason I recommend that one over things like Avast and others is that Intego have in the past been some of the first to find Mac-specific viruses. So their product is quite good at finding Mac malware, uh, whereas the other products try to do a lot of different things and they're more based for Windows. Um, so Intego virus barrier is a really good one, but there's free ones like Avast. Um, you know, so make sure you do a, a virus scan from time to time. Make sure all your software is up to date. Uh, make sure you've got your firewall turned on. Don't connect to public Wi-Fi. Uh, don't share your home Wi-Fi password with all your neighbors. Um, you know, and maybe change the Wi-Fi password. If you've got a Wi-Fi that came from, uh, you know, BT or Virgin or something, uh, you know, change the password on the Wi-Fi to something that, you know, they don't, they don't know. Um, and that, you know, make your Wi-Fi a little bit more secure. Or ideally use a, a, a wired connection. Don't use any wireless at all. Um, you know, uh, the, the more security that you, that you do, the better. And, 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 you know, learn about some of this stuff. Um, you know, obviously hacking is, is it's on the forefront of a lot of people's mind, um, but it sounds like you're doing most of the right things. Keeping your software up to date, using one Mac, you know, make sure you run a virus scan from time to time, make sure you've got the firewall on, um, then the, uh, you're doing the best practices. You're doing what we would tell everybody to do. Yeah, I do actually run wired and it runs through a VPN as well. So, and everything else you've said, I already do. So I think I, I'm about as far as I can get without the government putting their screws on it. Yeah, unfortunately, the government, it, it is a case with computers. It's how much money you have. If you want to buy access to someone's iPhone, it costs around £2 million. So now for me and you, that might be a lot of money. Um, but for the government, that's a drop in the park. If they really want to access someone's phone, they can do it because they can buy the best and the greatest and they have, you know, all the money to burn. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's about understanding your threat model. Um, if you're doing all those things there, then you're protected against kind of the most garden variety, the standard average hacker attacks. You're not clicking dodgy links. You're not um, accepting, you know, random uh, emails from people, things like that. Um, then you're then you're getting uh, the, then you're in, 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 the, in doing everything that you should be doing, um, and you're uh, you know should be in a good position. Uh, but yeah, don't think that you're infallible because uh, it is just a case of who has the most resources to get access to computer systems, which is why air gaps and things are so important. Um, because air gaps kind of really they add an extra physical barrier. I mean, someone has to physically be around you um, to, to to hack into it or, or, or access whatever it is. Yeah, much appreciated. Thanks for that. And uh, I'll definitely get an air gap uh, warrant. Cheers. All right. Well, I, I really appreciate, Matthew, your time. Thank you. Um, a few weeks ago, you guys, I asked what kind of security discussions you wanted to have. And a big question or response was around this, you know, storage and security of digital assets. I hope today was valuable for you. If you took something away, please let us know and share with a friend who, you know, may not be thinking about this kind of stuff. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in. We'll have this up on Podbean soon. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you all for listening. I hope it was useful. And uh, I, I look forward to speaking to you again at some point in the future, inevitably when uh, Jennifer finds a, a reason to have a security discussion, um, which is my, my world. So thank you all for joining. And I appreciate uh, all the questions. And I hope that it was beneficial.